All right, welcome back once again to the Counter Vortex podcast with your ranter, Bill Weinberg, ranting at you in the wee hours of October 8th from my apartment on Manhattan's Lower East Side. And uh, last week, we explored the very telling historical coincidence, or perhaps not coincidence, that the same day that Vladimir Putin announced the Russian annexation of four Ukrainian oblasts, was also the same day, September 30th, that in 1938, the Munich Agreement approved Hitler's annexation of Czechoslovakia's Sudetenland region. And over the past week that this um, podcast was circulating on the internet, it was pointed out to me that September 30th also marks the initiation of two other of Putin's criminal military adventures. He really seems to have a fetish for that date. And a review of these precedents reveals Vladimir Putin as a serial city destroyer. Let's start by going back to September 1999, when Putin had just been appointed prime minister the month before by his ineffectual predecessor, Boris Yeltsin. And uh, that month, nearly 300 people were killed when four apartment blocks were destroyed by apparent terrorist bomb attacks in Moscow and other Russian cities. The attacks provided the expedients for Putin to launch a new war in Chechnya, in the same paroxysm of bellicosity and Islamophobia, such as we saw here in the United States after 9-11, two years later. And there has been the same kind of conspiracy theorizing within Russia that Putin and his FSB, the neo-KGB, were actually behind the attacks to provide such an expediency. In any event, Putin launched the Second Chechen War, a grim sequel to the one that had been waged by Boris Yeltsin in 1995, in which the regional capital, Grozny, was massively bombarded, but at the end of which, Chechnya remained under separatist control. So Yeltsin's Chechen War of 1995 was seen as, uh, you know, leaving things incomplete. Now, Putin started the uh, second bombardment of Grozny almost immediately after the terrorist attacks, but it was on September 30th, 1999, that Russian tanks rolled into Chechnya, marking the real start of the second Chechen War officially dubbed a counter-terrorist operation, quote-unquote. Grozny was besieged and continued to come under bombardment, completing the destruction of the city, which had really never recovered from the 1995 bombardment in the first Chechen war. Some reports from Amnesty International at the time, October 15, 1999, quote, Amnesty International is deeply concerned that the continuing bombing in Chechnya carried out by the Russian military over recent weeks has resulted in civilian deaths and thousands of displaced people fleeing the Chechen Republic. End quote. 
January 12, 2000, again from Amnesty International, Chechnya. Civilians stranded in Grozny must be allowed to escape bombing. Quote, Russian forces must do all in their power to allow civilians trapped by the bombing in Grozny, numbering up to some 40,000 to exit safely, Amnesty International said today, today being January 12, 2000, despite claims by the Russian authorities that they are, quote, doing everything in their power to allow the citizens of Grozny to leave the city, unquote, people who have tried to leave the city through so-called safe corridors have reportedly come under Russian attack. Other civilians apparently know nothing about the Russian-declared safe corridors and have not seen any of the leaflets dropped by Russian aircraft warning them to flee, end quote. By May of 2000, Russia had effectively seized control of all Chechnya, although it continued to face a guerrilla insurgency there for several years to come. And in 2003, the United Nations declared Grozny to be the most destroyed city on earth. And this war consolidated Vladimir Putin's grip on power. A year after the start of the Second Chechen War, he became president, which he remains today nearly a generation later, although he rotated into the post of prime minister for a few years to get around constitutional restrictions on consecutive presidential terms, but been in power continuously since 1999. Grozny was rebuilt very quickly under renewed Russian rule, but Chechnya became the special laboratory of Putin's police state, long seeing the worst human rights abuses in all of Russia. Under the rule of the regional strongman and Putin ally, Ahmad Kadyrov, and his son and successor, who remains in power today, Ramzan Kadyrov. The European Court for Human Rights ruled in January 2014 that Russia must pay 1.9 million euros, or $2.6 million, to the families of 36 Chechen men who disappeared between 2000 and 2006, the period when Russia was still facing a guerrilla resistance within Chechnya and waging something of a dirty war. Not sure if the um, 1.9 million euros was ever paid. In April 2017, alarming reports emerged that Chechnya had opened the first concentration camp for homosexuals since Hitler in the words of human rights groups, following a so-called gay purge in the southern Russian Republic, Russian newspapers and human rights groups reported more than 100 gay men had been detained, quote, in connection with their non-traditional sexual orientation or suspicion of such, unquote. Campaigners said gay men were being tortured with electric shocks and beaten to death the principal camp was reportedly at a former military barracks in the town of Argun. It should also be pointed out, getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here in the chronology, uh, I'm just going to interject that those um, independent Russian newspapers and human rights groups, which um, raised the alarm about this back in 2017, 
have all since been shut down as a totalizing police state has unfolded across Russia since the Ukraine military invasion was launched in February of this year. All right, to get back to the uh, Chechnya chronology here, in January 2018, there were reports that the reign of terror was being extended to drug users and small-time dealers who similarly faced grisly torture at the hands of Chechen security forces. As part of the same ultra-puritanical campaign, reports described electric current being applied to suspects' fingertips to force them to confess. And in July 2018, when Putin and Trump were meeting for a summit in Helsinki, the international LGBT group Human Rights Campaign projected images in giant letters on the wall of the presidential palace where the summit was taking place, reading, quote, Trump and Putin stop the crimes against humanity in Chechnya, end quote. But by then, Russia had massively intervened in the Syria war with a campaign of airstrikes that began on September 30th, 2015, initially on rebel-held areas of Homs province and in the name of fighting ISIS. But in fact, few of the airstrikes targeted ISIS, whose stronghold in Syria was considerably east to the areas that came under massive Russian bombardment, such as Homs, and then, much more significantly, the province and city of Aleppo. Now, Aleppo had already been coming under massive bombardment by the Assad regime, especially its primitive but deadly so-called barrel bombs. From Amnesty International, May 5th, 2015, Syria's Circle of Hell, barrel bombs in Aleppo, bring terror and bloodshed, forcing civilians underground. Quote, widespread atrocities, in particular the vicious and unrelenting aerial bombardment of civilian neighborhoods by government forces, have made life for civilians in Aleppo increasingly unbearable. These reprehensible and continual strikes on residential areas point to a policy of deliberately and systematically targeting civilians in attacks that constitute war crimes and crimes against humanity, said Philip Luther, director of Amnesty International's Middle East and North Africa program. By relentlessly and deliberately targeting civilians, the Syrian government appears to have adopted a callous policy of collective punishment against the civilian population of Aleppo, end quote. But with the Russian intervention in support of the regime, it quickly got much worse. From Amnesty International, March 3, 2016, Syrian and Russian forces targeting hospitals as a strategy of war. Quote, Russian and Syrian government forces appear to have deliberately and systematically targeted hospitals and other medical facilities over the last three months to pave the way for ground forces to advance on northern Aleppo. An examination of airstrikes by Amnesty International has found. Syrian and Russian forces have been deliberately attacking health facilities as a part of their military strategy, said Tirana Hassan, crisis response director at Amnesty International. End quote. From September 29th, 2016, again from Amnesty 
Global inaction is enabling the brutal destruction of Aleppo. Quote, the Syrian government, with Russia's support, has without a doubt used air power to deliberately inflict suffering on civilians, routinely bombing densely populated civilian areas and buildings. Time and again, the Syrian government has attacked schools, residential buildings, hospitals, and medical facilities, but more horrifically, the civilian population directly, said Diana Seman, Syria campaigner at Amnesty International. The lives of hundreds of thousands of civilians trapped in Aleppo and elsewhere in Syria depend on the international community finally doing something to stop further war crimes and punish those responsible, end quote. October 20th, 2016, again from Amnesty, UN must act to end onslaught aimed at purging civilians from eastern Aleppo, quote, the UN General Assembly must step in to fill the void left by the Security Council members' catastrophic failure to end relentless attacks targeting the civilian population in eastern Aleppo city, said Amnesty International ahead of a UN General Assembly meeting later that day, October 20th, 2016. And the Security Council's failure to act, I will interject, was, of course, because of the Russian veto. Returning to the text, the organization, meaning Amnesty, has released new satellite imagery illustrating the scale of destruction, as well as testimony from civilians trapped in the city, providing evidence that Syrian government forces with Russian support have callously attacked residential homes, medical facilities, schools, markets, and mosques as part of a deliberate military strategy to empty the city of its inhabitants and seize control. In some cases, there is evidence that Russian-made cluster munitions were used in attacks. In violation of international treaty, I will interject. The world's inaction in the face of the continuing carnage and blatant violations in Aleppo City must end. The UN General Assembly must show it can act where the Security Council has so catastrophically failed, the credibility of the UN is at stake, said Lynn Malouf, Deputy Director for Research at Amnesty International's Beirut Regional Office. End quote. And when the remaining rebel-held section of the city finally fell on December 13, 2016, the population the civilian population faced massacres at the hands of regime forces. In what UN Representative Jens Larke at the time called a complete meltdown of humanity, end quote. The thousands who fled Aleppo to the remaining pocket of rebel-held territory in the north of Syria, principally Idlib province, are still, even now, coming under intermittent Russian bombardment. And that brings us to the present day, and we can make note of yet a third city destroyed by Putin. Mariupol, the seaport in the recently illegally annexed Donetsk Oblast, is the Ukrainian city most thoroughly destroyed by Russian firepower. On March 21st of this year, the independent Ukrainian Euromaidan Press 
ran a photo essay entitled Besieged Mariupol is Nearly Obliterated. The opening blurb reads, quote, Since February 24th, when Russia unleashed its full-scale invasion of Ukraine, Russian troops have been obliterating the Ukrainian city of Mariupol using every conventional weapon at Russia's disposal, from mortars to missiles and several hundred-ton bombs. The attacks on the city are going on to this day, with only short pauses between them, this day being March 21st. And the photo essay is a uh, series of before and after pictures showing apartment blocks and theaters and public squares, nice and wholesome and orderly in one shot from before the war, and then reduced to rubble or blackened shells in the next. And that was March 21st, just in the first month of a war that has now gone on for more than seven months. From Amnesty International in June, a month after Mariupol was finally taken by Russian forces, quote, an extensive investigation by Amnesty International has concluded that Russian military forces committed a war crime when they struck the Mariupol Drama Theater in Ukraine in March, killing at least a dozen people and likely many more. In a new report, Children, the attack on the Donetsk Regional Academic Drama Theater in Mariupol, Ukraine, The organization documents how the Russian military likely deliberately targeted the theater, despite knowing that hundreds of civilians, including children, were sheltering there on March 16th, making the attack a clear war crime. Amnesty International's crisis response team interviewed numerous survivors and collected extensive digital evidence, concluding that the attack was almost certainly carried out by Russian fighter aircraft which dropped two 500-kilogram bombs that struck close to each other and detonated simultaneously. After months of rigorous investigation, analysis of satellite imagery, and interviews with dozens of witnesses, we concluded that the strike was a clear war crime committed by Russian forces, said Agnes Kalamard, Amnesty International's Secretary General. End quote. One of several such war crimes we may be certain, the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons in April said that it was investigating reports of chemical weapons use in Mariupol. And that same month, satellite imagery revealed a mass grave outside Mariupol said to be 20 times larger than the mass grave earlier found in the town of Buka outside Kiev after it was retaken from Russian forces weeks earlier. According to a statement by the besieged Mariupol City Council, the site could hold up to 9,000 bodies. Quote, the occupiers dug new trenches and filled them with corpses every day throughout April, the statement said. Our sources report that in such graves, the bodies are placed in several layers. End quote. Ukraine's parliament, the Rada, adopted a resolution April 14th formally recognizing the actions of the Russian armed forces in the country as genocide of the Ukrainian people. And now, exactly this kind of grisly discovery has been made at the recently retaken town 
of Iziyum in Kharkiv Oblast. So first Buka and Borodyanka outside Kiev early in the war, then Mariupol, and now Izium. Russian forces are evidently carrying out massacres in all of the areas they've occupied. And speaking to all of my lefty friends who have been slow to square with this reality and would dismiss Amnesty International as the voice of imperialism, well, I just want to point out that meanwhile, the Ukrainians are accusing Amnesty International of being biased against them. And there was particularly outrage in Ukraine over um, this report of August 4th of this year, Ukrainian fighting tactics endanger civilians. Quote, Ukrainian forces have put civilians in harm's way by establishing bases and operating weapon systems in populated residential areas, including in schools and hospitals, as they repelled the Russian invasion that began in February, Amnesty International said today. Such tactics violate international humanitarian law and endanger civilians as they turn civilian objects into military targets. The ensuing Russian strikes in populated areas have killed civilians and destroyed civilian infrastructure, end quote. And the Ukrainians responded that this was reversing cause and effect, that they had to place troops in these areas because they were coming under Russian attack. And while I don't entirely dismiss this report, there are times when Amnesty International goes too far in an effort to appear even-handed, and this may be one of them. So, Grozny, Aleppo, Mariupol, three cities destroyed by Vladimir Putin over the course of his 23 years in power. And then there's the cities that he's partially destroyed, as opposed to completely destroyed, such as Idlib and Kharkiv. So I want to know, how many cities does Putin have to destroy before so-called leftists in the West stop making excuses for him or supporting him outright? Now, the atmosphere wasn't nearly so polluted in 1999 as it is today. But even then, you heard this response that the Chechen rebels were being covertly backed by the CIA. And then in 2015, you heard with somewhat more legitimacy, although probably not nearly as much as you might think, that the Syrian rebels were being backed by the CIA. And now you're hearing relentlessly that Russia was provoked into invading Ukraine by Ukraine seeking to join NATO, which is exactly a reversal of the reality. In fact, Ukraine was provoked into seeking to join NATO by Russia invading its territory in 2014. With the annexation of Crimea and the de facto annexation of the Donbass, which has now just been made de jure in defiance of international law. What sick blame the victim BS these responses are. Let's assume all of these specious claims are true, just for the sake of argument, that the CIA was backing the Chechen rebels, and the Syrian revolution was all just CIA astroturf, and Ukraine was lured into getting in line for NATO admission 
rather than appealing desperately for NATO admission because it was under attack by Russia. Okay, let's concede all that for the sake of argument. Okay, so fucking what? Does it justify the destruction of cities? Check your heads, folks. You're making excuses for crimes against humanity. Straight up. And I repeat my assertion, based on an unflinching reading of the facts, that this situation is not going to de-escalate with Putin in power. Vladimir Putin must be overthrown and put on trial for his crimes against humanity. Putin to the Hague. May we live to see it. And in fact, I'm not sure we're going to live if we don't see it, if you get my drift. This has been Bill Weinberg with the Counter Vortex. Check us out online at countervortex.org. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash countervortex. We need your support to keep going. Join the Counter Vortex. Join the resistance. And rant on you next time.